if Aussie's not here, so it's just you prosecuting, Gav. Yeah, it's probably a blessing in disguise. Ozzy might pitch up and be like, I feel like the early series with John Anderson were best. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel Wolf really works. Like, yeah, yeah. Hang on, guys. Are we talking about the UK one with John Fashion? You or the Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Maximus with a pierced lung, we continue to battle through our Ridley Scott season as this week we put Gladiator on trial. Is it Maximus Decimus Meridius or is it Minimus Decibels Merillion? <laughs> Sorry, Dave, but nobody what? wants to listen to Kaylee that loud. <laughs> What have you got against Marillion, man? <laughs> there is so much more to them aside from Kaylee. <laughs> no, uh, essentially, I, I, I like how I was like, Marillion, what else did they write? Oh, I don't know, Kaylee will do. And you're like thinking of 30 other songs. <laughs> <they've released. laughs> Love Marillion. Now, essentially, we will be trying to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. But before we get started, let's have a little Ridley Scott quiz question in the temporary segment I'm calling Ridley Me This. Okay, fingers on the buzzers, guys. So, whilst working as a set designer at the BBC in 1963, which infamous characters was Scott originally asked to design? Uh, Dave. Daleks? Yes, correct. It is the Daleks. Jesus, Dave. Jesus Christ. He was asked to create the design for the Daleks for a new BBC TV science fiction series entitled, there we go, Dave, Doctor Who. He passed on the work to his colleague Raymond Kusick as he was unable to attend the filming at Ealing. And there we go. Very, very good knowledge there, Dave. Now, before we get on to the proper trial, our last film on trial was Alien Covenant. Dave. You hmm. judged that film and deemed for some reason that it should be placed on this shit list. Now, you've since gone away and unfortunately watched it. Did you make the right call or not? Yeah, I mean, you say for some reason. I think for many, many reasons <laughs> it went on the shit list. Yeah, it was the right call. You know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I first watched it, to be honest with you. I did watching it again with a bit more expectation of what, what you're in store for. It's not terrible. I actually think it's better than Prometheus. Uh, but there's still so much wrong with it. And it was just, it was unimaginative and it was like a greatest hits, but a greatest hits has like been reimagined uh, like, like an acoustic greatest hits, if you will. When what you Marillion. want is, is arena rock. Yeah. Greatest. Imagine Marillion's like <laughs> greatest hits, but done acoustically. And, and it's, it, it, it's just, it's not going to work, you know? And I think, uh, although it was better than Prometheus, it's still, it's just another good reason why the alien franchise needs to just, uh, cut its losses and stop where it is. So uh, yeah. yeah, I did. I did do, make the right call. Do you think it will cut its losses and stuff? Oh hell no, hell no. <laughs> no Alien no. franchise will outlive us. No. Yeah, I think when you're saying it's better than Prometheus, it's like one day your house burning down, and then the next day you accidentally stand barefoot in dog shit. It's bad. And you- I knew dog shit was going to be in there somewhere. <laughs> dog shit always turns up somewhere. Gone. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Very uh, good summary there, Dave. Now onto the trial itself. So all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. 
Uh, well, I say that, uh, but I think that <laughs> they there haven't was, at all. <laughs> <laughs> there was some backbiting and <laughs> scheming behind the scenes akin to that of J- Derek Jacobi and Co. and Gladiator uh, when it comes to Dave and Alex and defending this film. So, acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on their hit list are Dave and Alex. Dave is just like Oliver Reed's character, Proximo. He looks like he died halfway through the episode. I'll take it. I'm still all over it. <laughs> I only say that because you're recovering from COVID, Dave. I am. I am. And I do look like I died. <laughs> uh, joining Dave is Alex, who is just like Joaquin Phoenix's character, Commodus. <laughs> I can see you grimacing already. It's not, well, it's not that bad. He, he's not, it's not great, is it? It's not great stuff. Go on. <laughs> So Alex may think that his final moments may come on the battlefield or as part of some big spectacle, but in reality, he knows it'll probably end up with him being strangled in the bath by one of his friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is me, and I'm just like Tommy Flanagan's character, Cicero. I'm always trying to get the boys back together, and it almost kills me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, joining me in defense, I'm oh, sorry, in prosecution is Ozzy, who is just like Richard Harris's character, Marcus Aurelius. His work is such a ball ache, I doubt it will be finished within the next 12 years. <laughs> also, he gives off those sort of mad wizard vibes as well. <laughs> Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. And that means that this week in the role of judge, the role who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the opinions put to them, is Joel. And Joel is just like Sven Olli Thornson's character, Tigris of Gaul. To look at him, you'd think he'd retired years ago. <laughs> uh, Why is that? So, sorry, esteemed judge. Uh, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. It's a very long one, that, isn't it? And oh, it has landed on me. So how would we like me to read out the synopsis of Gladiator? As a dying Richard Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Very specific. Uh, Do you mean as a dying uh, Marcus Aurelius or as a dying Richard Harris? No, you mentioned it, Richard Harris. Maybe (laughs) maybe Richard Harris. Um, Any other takers? I mean... I, I, I we can always trying. do the boot scene, the the whole, you know, the kicking people down the hole scene. Are you thinking about three hundred? Thinking about three hundred. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 Who side is Ozzy on again? <laughs> Please, for the love of God, tell me that you've watched Gladiator. <laughs> I have seen Gladiator in the past, but I mixed them all up. You know, all of these, all of these fake fake stories. The um, Oh, okay. Uh, so, right. so give me a nudge if midway through. <laughs> if, you, if you just drift into the wrong period of time and start doing ancient Greece. <laughs> so what I didn't get about Saladin, right? You know, he's... <laughs> I love that bit just when he gets off the Argonauts. Oh, no. <laughs> when he fights those skeletons. Every word to say is 
Spartacus. <laughs> I am Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, uh, okay. No other takers. I'll do it as a dying Richard Harris. Okay. Um, a former Roman general <laughs> sets out to exact vengeance against the corporate emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. That is lovely. Very, Very nice. nice. Very nice. Thanks, thanks, guys. <laughs> I was you, did, you did say the corporate emperor rather than the corrupt emperor. Corporate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong, am I? He was a big corporate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I went so red during that impression then. <laughs> right, okay, so uh, let's uh, like kick off proceedings, Joel. This is a bit of a classic, so I'm coming into this as obviously somebody who's seen Gladiator many, many times. But also, personally, knowing Dave and Alex, I'd love nothing more to look at them and see the pain in their face as it goes on the shit list. <laughs> <laughs> so it, in some regards, they're already one or two points down. That's true. Um, so, yeah, let's just kick off with the plot. Just a really brief rundown and then potentially, you know, what you like about it. And um... go on, Alex. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend too long doing a synopsis because it's quite a well-known tale, so, so I'll go for it. Basically, it's kind of a, the basic pl plot is a revenge tale. You've got Maximus, uh, he's a Roman general, and he's just won the last battle for the Roman Empire, basically. The Emperor Marcus Aurelius is there, and he decides to name him as the successor to transition from a sort of a dictatorship uh, to a democracy back in Rome, basically, and saying that Rome's Rome's corrupt and it needs to be put back into, the, into the, uh, the power of the people. His heir, Commodus, though, played by Joaquin Phoenix, uh, stops this by killing the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, his father, and he tries to execute Maximus, who escapes, but he also decides to, big mistake, kill Maximus's family back in Spain as well. Uh, Maximus travels all the way from uh, Germania and arrives back at his home and finds, that, finds everything dead, loses all hope, and he's taken his slave and he sold as a gladiator. He's sort of over a course of quite a few scenes, he sort of bring, comes back to wanting to live again. You know, at first he just sort of tries, you know, suicide by gladiatorial combat. But he rises through the ranks and finally he uh, is allowed to go back to Rome where he can confront Commodus. And this sort of brings him back he, after the death of his family, he comes back and he's back to life. Revenge. The two basically battle it out. You know, Commodus is confronted by Maximus and they battle it out through the games. They're, they're both trying to win the mob. Uh, Commodus is trying to control Rome by controlling the mob and Maximus is sort of this other idea of bringing it back to democracy. The old Rome of like, you know, of, mor of morals and Commodus is this new Rome where basically it's just mob rule, gladiatorial fights and, you know. And then finally the, the two face each other. Commodus mortally wounds Maximus before they fight, but he still manages to defeat Commodus and happy ending passes power over to the Senate, but sadly dies and is reunited at the end with his, with his family, sort of in the afterlife. A very, really, really, really solid plot. Just absolutely, you know, you, you couldn't really fault the plot. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Gab will have some points. What I'd just like to go through is mainly the script. One of the reasons when I was watching this film, I'd just like to go straight into that, is that I just love the script. I just think some of these lines are just absolutely iconic and you know, often I was found myself like saying the lines before the character was saying it. And, I, you know, it's been, been about five years since I've seen Gladiator and it still sticks in my memory so well. So just to go through some of these like lines right at the beginning, he has the classic line at my signal, unleash hell. It's just such a good line and it just gets you just gets you going. 
Uh, again, followed by what we do in life echoes in eternity. There's this amazing bit where Oliver Reed's doing a speech and he's talking about the, 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 the enormity of the Colosseum and he talks about, you know, the silence before you strike and the noise afterwards rises like, like a storm. It's just, just amazing dialogue. Uh, th then, you know, one of the best lines is when finally Maximus confronts uh, Commodus and he goes, you know, my name is Max, uh, Maximus Despus Meridius, uh, husband to a murdered wife, you know, generals of the Felix Legions. Just fantastic, fantastic lines. Even Commodus, you know, has these great lines where he's, you know, he finds his sisters betraying him and he starts, you know, he does the busy little bee speech. You know, a lovely, you know, and again, um, you know, like I, I once knew a man who said death smiles on us all and all we can do is smile back. And, you know, this is the line that uh, Maximus says to Commodus right at the end. And Commodus goes, I wonder if he smiled at his own death. And he goes, you must know it was your father. You know, the, the, there's just not an ounce of like there's not an ounce of like extra bit in this in this script. It's just tight. And that's just it sort of sums up the rest of the film. I'm sure we're going to performances later, but just expert dialogue, expert story given by an expert cast. So I, I, uh, I struggle to see one thing wrong or a single thing wrong with Gladiator. Okay, well, I feel like I've watched half the film after some of those quotes. <laughs> so, uh, Ozzy, what would you say the worst part about 300? Do you think it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, obviously Ridley Scott, he can get things quite convoluted at times, hence Prometheus. Uh, so, Gavin, Ozzy, do you agree with Alex's point that the plot is is very succinct and you know, expertly done, and the script I mean, and all the that plot, type of jazz. The plot is essentially rocky, but with short skirts <laughs> and swords, basically. I mean, you've sold it's, it to me, Ozzy. Yeah. You <laughs> but with and and even less uh, like reasonable dialogue than Rocky. So for me, I think everything Alex has said is is a little bit um, a little bit sort of tacit. He's trying to trying to taint it because when we first watched this, would have been sort of two thousand prime teenage years, really up for anything. But you know, men in shorts and fairly top. <laughs> you, you had a different thirteen-year-old time. Than I, did. You know I mean, this is. Um, say, I don't remember men in shorts the, being a big part of my uh, childhood. I'm getting it. This is the Roman story. You know, it's so everything is. It, it's just action-packed, and it. So that's what you're going to like when you're a kid. It doesn't really hold up today. It's it's not very good special effects. It's like Rome looks like a pile of shit. It's just it's just not good. The Colosseum isn't nice. The the for me, I think. I mean, Gav's got. A, I can see him already chomping at the bit, ready to uh, just shut me up. But no, 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 but, no, no. Get, <laughs> just as long as you don't move into accidentally defending the film, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a. Um, it's just a, It's it's a bit pointless to be honest with you. There's there is no real story to it. This it doesn't. It doesn't hit home. You know, there's there's massive inaccuracies compared to what I remember from our uh, classics lessons, but. There, you know, by the by, I think you can forgive a film that sort of stuff because it's not it's not there as a history lesson, but it's just a little bit. It's a bit one-dimensional for the most of it. It's it's a very very cliched story. You know the way it's going out there. You've got the baddie trying to turn into a dictatorship, the goodie trying to be a uh, democracy, and it's just it's just a bit. It's a little bit bland, mate. Okay, thanks for that, Ozzy. Gav, I'm not going to let you have a turn because Ozzy's just taking your time. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. Thanks. Oh, go, go on. Get it off your chest. 
so I, I would massively disagree with what Alex said. This film is a lot like me in some ways. Incredibly long and very bloated. There's, there's an all right, I'd say, one hour, 45 minute film trapped somewhere in this average two and a half hour film. There are many things wrong with this film. When Alex has said he can't think of one, there, there are many. Firstly, the, the direction is underwhelming. This is an action film, essentially, and more of the fight sequences are so poorly shot and edited that I had to have a break at one point to go and have some paracetamol. The music is massively out of place. It sounds like Han, Hans Zimmer was laying down ideas for his Pirates of the Caribbean score. And there are so many similar elements and almost exact segments from the Pirates of the Caribbean score that often you'll be like, hang on, what film am I watching here? It would be the, the, the perfect score, I think, for a swashbuckling adventure on the seven seas. But as a fantasy historical action score, it's a big miss for me. It needs to be much less light, more serious, more heavy as Ozzy said the CGI is quite dated I mean I can forgive this because we are talking over 20 years now at the time that probably wasn't the case but there's a lot of the uncanny valley going on especially any CGI scenes at night or the massive wide camera shots of the Colosseum or of Rome in general and also Oliver Reed the elephant in the room here and in no way am I talking about the man's weight uh, but the scenes that were created with computer imagery after he sadly passed away are incredibly jarring and really take you out of the moment. The performances, contrary to what Alex was saying, aren't up to scratch for me, with the worst offenders being Oliver Reed, rest in peace, who was a bit of a ham sandwich, apologies, and Richard Harris as well. But Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix also underperform massively, which I'll go into much more detail about later on. And as for the story and script, Alex was saying the dialogue's great. You can have great bits of dialogue in terrible films, lest we forget Street Fighter. Like, looking beyond those nice bits of dialogue. Oh, hold on, G- give, me the, give, give me the best bit of dialogue from Street Fighter. This bit of dialogue where he's like, you talk about this time when uh, Bison graced your village, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was such a, a, a lasting moment in your life. For me, it was just a Tuesday, something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, there the, the, the can be great bits of dialogue in... I'm going to kick your ass so hard. <laughs> but there can be great bits of dialogue in terrible films. Uh, looking beyond those good bits of dialogue and all of the many, many historical inaccuracies that Ozzy mentioned about before, it's quite a basic story. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just a standard revenge story. One man taken on the man who killed his family. So they throw in another element, bringing down a ruthless ruler to free the people, aka something like from Shane or the Magnificent Seven. But this element isn't really delivered in my eyes. We don't get as much perspective from other characters as we need from this element of the story for it to be concluded properly. And when you look at the script, that is the weakest part for me. Far too many long and pompous monologues for my liking. Lots of expository dialogue and incredibly boring exchanges and information about politics at the time, which I honestly couldn't give a shit about. Then there's also a grave error in storytelling in which the big reveal, Maximus is the gladiator, comes way too early, which sucks the tension out of the film, disrupts the pacing and investment of the audience, which it fails to properly recover from later on. So ignore all of the waffle from the defense. This film is a massive thumbs down. Very pretty good stuff there, Gav. Um, so Dave, I'll bring you in here. I can see like your arms moving. I presume it was stress balls that you were squeezing <laughs> like really, really, really hard. 
Um, so some points that I'd like you to kind of clarify. Um, first mm -hmm. one being maybe how the film has aged in terms of the CGI being poor, maybe also some of the dialogue as well. Um, and also Gav says um, that the plot is, is actually just very basic and it's just kind of wrapped <laughs> up in, um, you know, maybe a more kind of complex outer dressing. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. First of all, CGI. I don't think the CGI has aged that badly, to be honest with you. But what CGI there is, is actually quite minimal. We are fortunate that they use mostly practical effects, particularly in the action sequences and in the battle sequences. So the CGI was relatively minimal. Um, so if Gav did find it jarring, that's his prerogative, but there isn't a great deal of it to find jarring anyway. Uh, particularly the Oliver Reed bit, you know, they had to recreate Oliver Reed because he passed during the making of the film. I honestly didn't notice which bits they'd actually had to superimpose Oliver Reed into. I honestly didn't know. No, I way. Had to, no, no, I had to look it up. And then when, they, when you look it up, it's like, oh, yeah, now I see it. But if you didn't know, honestly, I, I don't think you can spot it right off the bat. Uh, it's, they recreate some dialogue. It's basically they just put a different background behind him. It's a, it's a line of dialogue he'd used earlier in the film, and they just have him say it again. But it kind of works. In the original script, he was supposed to survive. Uh, Proxima, but had to you know reshoot and arrange a death scene for him um, with what little time they had left, and it, it works. The way they've done it, the line that they chose to reuse, you know, shadows and dust, it it makes for some good last words. Uh, so I think they got away with it, really. You know, it's it's probably nightmarish when an actor passes when you still got some of your film to make. Um, so I think it, they did a very good job, and it actually worked. And they were able to keep Oliver Reed in the film. They didn't have to recast. And this could be one of his final films and what a way to go out. Um, I think the revenge element of the story, although simple, I will admit, is very effective. It's effective because you're trying to take revenge against essentially insurmountable odds. Imagine a gladiator, a slave, the lowest of the low in ancient Rome, going up against the emperor. It's, it's, you know, how, where, where do you even start taking revenge <laughs> against someone of that kind of level of power? You know, you look at presidents and, and you know, prime ministers today, their, their power is nothing compared to what the emperor of Rome once possessed. So I think the insurmountable odds element of the revenge is something we haven't seen before. And even though the revenge story itself is simple, it's very effective. I don't think the, uh, the runtime does the film any harm either i think two and a half hours although it is an epic and often you get these historical sword and sandals epics the runtime befits the film and i think the the story as you see gav talks about the elements of the political aspects of the senate although they don't dwell on these factors it's good to get a bit of context uh, it's good to get a little snapshot of rome there are historical inaccuracies but as austin said this isn't a history lesson you know and and ridley scott chose he wasn't through any naivety or any ignorance of the time. He chose what bits of history to include and which bits to omit. And it was all for the sake of making the film coherent and keeping the audience entertained and making it plausible. You know, he said at one point in one of the early drafts of the script, they had gladiators giving product endorsements in the arena, which would have been historically accurate. But he just thought the audience aren't going to buy this. It's going to take them out of the moment, even though it's true. It, that would be jarring for the audience. You know, it kind of ruins the mood of the film. So, you know, there's a, there's a moment of accuracy that's left out purposefully to keep the film flowing, to keep the mood of the film intact. And I think it does it all very well. This is an excellent film. Definitely one of Ridley Scott's best. I think his direction, particularly of the action sequences, was superb. And, and one other thing I want to come back on was, was Gav's comments on the score. 
by Hans Zimmer and Lisa Gerrard, and I think they did an excellent job. This is one of the best film soundtracks of all time. This actually sold particularly well at the time of release. The, uh, the double-disc album of this soundtrack, which I own, uh, sold exceptionally well for a film soundtrack, particularly when you think it's, it's a film soundtrack that isn't a jukebox musical containing pop songs, rock songs. It's classical pieces composed for the background of the film, and it sold a number of I don't have the exact figure, but it sold a lot of copies okay. uh, for good reason. It is one of the biggest soundtracks of all time. So it sold at least one copy, which Dave owns. At two. least I, one. I got, <laughs> at least one. Two copies. Two. We've got at least two copies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Alex, uh, we'll come to you before we go back to the prosecution. Like sure. Dave kind of briefly touched on the, the action scenes there. Obviously, it's called Gladiator. It's going to be like Gladiator fighting. How is the action in this film? Like really well paced. It reminds it reminded me of uh, like really good sort of early two thousands action. So like the Matrix as well. You know how they sort of portion. And you know, and good action films still do it now. You know, they portion out the action so it's not overwhelming. Whereas sometimes today, I think sometimes it's just action, action, action. I think they have the they have the they begin with the big battle. So you have the Battle of Germania, which I think military historians i know a lot of the there are historical inaccuracies and like dave i mean both me dave, dave and i actually studied like ancient history and i didn't think either of us give a shit about uh, but it is probably a hard word though isn't it <laughs> neither, of us, neither of us care but i would say the military historian bit so that bit, battle of germania i think a lot of military historians would love that that is that comes high voted as one of the best action scenes just because it is you know the use of ballistas the use of the cavalry, the, you know, the infantry and stuff like that, and the Roman armor and stuff like that. It just gives you, it gives you the power of Rome straight away, which you then don't need. So you don't, you can start on a big battle and then it sort of, you know, then it goes quiet for a little bit and you have a lot of the talk. So, you know, the film does know when to go a little bit quieter and sort of bring in themes like, you know, what they're actually fighting for, this idea of Rome and bringing in these, you know, this, like I said, a really good dialogue. But then you go back into this action scene when Maximus escapes then when he gets into the gladiator and these are just scenes when as soon as they come on you just remember them you remember that scene when they're sort of chained together in the gladiator pit for the first time and they've got to fight each other and the other people are getting you know these you know the gladiators that aren't doing so well are getting their hands chopped off and it's really really gory and really really visceral then you remember maximus when he fights him on his own there's these really iconic fight scenes and they are just that they are just that iconic like dave was saying the film score goes incredibly well with it seamlessly well with these action scenes you know it predates the pirates of the caribbean film so i don't think it's fair to say that you know that that they're thinking of pirates because i was watching pirates of the caribbean thinking about people getting their arms chopped off to be honest I, it was it was much the other way around and you know it just builds these battles and battles and battles and especially when you, once you get into the arena the fight scenes are just incredibly they're always different as well so you don't you don't ever feel like you're watching the same thing and you're always watching Maximus defeat them in a, in a different way and use his general skills. I, I just, the, the, the fight scenes, along with the score and along with the performances and with the these quiet periods in between, it just flows really, really well. And you, you're not overpowered by action and you're also not leaving the film feeling like you haven't had enough. It's, it's a really nice mix they have. Okay, so... That sounds quite tasty, to be honest, Gab. Oh. What would you say is the main issue with it? I can see you've got your hand up there very politely, which isn't like Thank you, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I was afraid somebody might chop it off. 
<laughs> Listen, if I wanted a good recreation of a battle, I'd go and take part in a battle reenactment down the park. Like, like I don't care what <laughs> military. How, how often do they happen in the park near you? Do you do you, do you often have, do you often reenact battles in the more park? More often, near you? more often than, than, than I care to. <laughs> that's remember. just that's just the chippy on South Road at like Friday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Come re-enacting. on down, guys. It's Thermopylae next week. Come on <laughs> <laughs> There's only four of them, so it's a bit tricky. Two of them just sort of get <laughs> get together while the other one's trying to through. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. I, I I don't care what like you know how historically <laughs> accurate that particular fight is. What I care about is how well it's filmed. And you know, I think that there's this really good build up to that battle. I was quite invested right at the beginning. It's well filmed, well acted. Uh, then it's followed by one of the most poorly edited battles I've ever seen. It's packed full of jump cuts, shaky cams. The odd comedy ketchup squirt of blood here and there, limbs getting chopped off left, right, and center. It, it, it's like something from a trauma movie. <laughs> oh my god! Get out! Literally, get out of your own room! Get out! <laughs> no, I, I, I might be exaggerating there with the, with the last comments, but I, I honestly, at times, was struggling to understand what was going on, who was winning, who was being dismembered, and that's just the style. Of, of filming at that time you know like similar to other action films like the Bourne films you know there's just a lot of kind of shaky cam even like Saving Private Ryan there's elements of that it's trying to kind of put us in the place there and, and get the audience involved and you know where we feel a bit disorientated but it's just a bit too much for me and it goes on too long then it's not just the opening scene that suffers from poor editing and directing. Almost every other fight scene in this film has at least one or two sloppy moments at best or is borderline headache-inducing at worst. The Colosseum fights that Alex mentioned before, they could have been absolutely incredible if only they would were shot and edited a little bit better. I liked what Alex was saying about you know how each fight he has to use another trick from his box, he has to think differently. I just wish they would have been filmed a little bit better. I think of epic fight scenes like in Hard Times, The Way of the Dragon, Rocky, even from Alex's favourite, from Russia with Love. What makes them stand out? They have room to breathe. We have long, wide-angled shots. We get close-ups of the actor's face displaying the emotion, giving us some insight into what they're thinking and what they're going through. There's an overall narrative there. There yeah, are Rob, Robert Shaw at one point is just thinking, shit! Shit, he's won! Shit! But importantly as well, there are stakes if they win or if they lose. We're invested because of that. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of doubt in the audience's mind as in which way this fight is going to end up. There's not a lot of that here. The fight sequences feel a bit rushed. Few of them feel like they have any stakes at all. Uh, you know, we don't know the vast majority of the opponents that they face. They're just like nameless people that we know that are going to get battered in, in some way or another. And then you've also got those elements of film before that I mentioned. They're just a bit poorly filmed. It's a bit too shaky. It's a bit too jumpy. It's a bit, there's too many cuts. There's too many different camera angles. I just would have liked it to have been filmed wide angle, see what's going on and have, you know, be more invested in it. But my biggest issue with the film, and for me, where it's Coliseum of Cards come crashing down, is, as I mentioned earlier, when Maximus reveals himself to Commodus. I I mean, you know, reveals his identity. Uh, He doesn't get his sword and sandals out. 
I feel like it just comes fast. <laughs> just lifts up his skirt halfway through. <laughs> and, then, and then does the speech. My name is Maximus Decimus Peridius. <laughs> this is Maximus. This is Decimus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just feel like it comes way too early. And then at that point, you've still got like an hour of the film left. And from there, it moves away from the action and focuses more on the politics and the backbiting of ancient Rome. And Maximus becomes involved in the politics as well, and we see less action from him. It just really zaps the enthusiasm right out of it for me. There's also this very odd, massively out of place rom- romantic angle shoehorned into the final third, where Maximus, a man whose sole purpose in this film is to avenge the wife he loves so dearly, gets it on with Lu- Lu- Lucilla. Is it Lucilla? Yeah. Doesn't get it on. They they have a little. They have a little. They have a little kiss. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, they have it, but it just feels like it's unnecessary and really contradictory to Maximus's character. And by the fine, and by the time the final fight comes along, you feel a little drained from all the politics and the monologues. And it doesn't help that the final confrontation between Maximus. He's been through a lot. Do you know what I mean, Gav? If he just wants to have a little kiss, do you know what I mean? Jesus Christ, just let give him a break. Do you know what I mean? How long would you wait? I wouldn't be banging on about how you know great you know I am as a no, husband. I, you know, Ro doesn't Ro doesn't listen to this podcast. I wouldn't. I, I do the same as what Maximus does. It's fine. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to burst through the door right now. <laughs> but, but one bugbear I have as well is is the final fight scene, which just feels a little underwhelming. I know that they had to give Commodus an advantage, so he punctures Maximus as long before the fight starts. But even with that disadvantage, Maximus is able to pull up a good fight. I found it unbelievable. I would have rather him have not been stabbed and to have seen this really big epic fight scene between the two of them, similar to Scott's earlier work in The Duelists or something like The Adventures of Robin Hood. Or I would have rather Maximus have been stabbed and it been just a bit more believable. Like Commodus is really going for it. Maximus is barely able to put up a fight, mainly defending himself, only just coming away with a victory. Instead, what we got was this sort of felt like half-arsed fight, which makes Commodus feel barely like a threat because Maximus is more than capable than defeating him, even with a punctured lung. So it just felt like, pardon the pun, a deflated end to the film. Uh, I think everyone's feeling a bit deflated after that argument, Gav. <laughs> Maybe. Say, uh, man? I've got a lot to talk about. Okay, so we'll move on to the casting characters now. So we'll, we'll hand it over to the defence and then Ozzy can maybe speak about um, Gerard Butler's characters. In a <laughs> so... Um, Dave, like the casting characters, obviously we know the the big players, but mm-hmm. is there, you know, any other kind of cast of note and how are the performances overall? I'd say the performances in general are excellent in this film. Honestly, uh, Ridley Scott really brought the best out of his cast. As you say, we know all the major players already. Russell Crowe won an Oscar for this. You know he's going to be good. Joaquin Phoenix, this is the film, I'd say, well, one of the films that made him. I know he was a child actor, but this really launched him and made and brought public awareness to, to his work and what a decent actor he was. Uh, he got an Oscar nomination for this himself and he, he is excellent. It's very sad that Oliver Reed passed away. I know Gav wasn't a fan. He said it was a bit hammy. This was a great performance from Oliver Reed, you know, the, the stalwart of British stage and cinema. And it's such a shame that this is probably the role that would have revitalized his career that would have brought him back from the brink after having been exiled 
from Hollywood for, for his very difficult behavior at times on set. It's a shame that his career couldn't have been salvaged with this one uh, and that he passed away because he, he does a great job. You got a solid supporting cast from people you'd expect solid, solid support from. You got Derek Jacobi as Gracchus, Richard Harris as Marcus Aurelius, you got David Schofield, David Hemmings, Thomas Arana, you know, John Shrapnel. You got decent actors here in the ensemble, but also it served as a, a springboard for a lot of actors we're not necessarily aware of. Jaimon Honsu, who's gone on to great things in, in Blood Diamond in particular, he's in the MCU now. Um, he's made a hell of a career for himself, and this is the first film I remember seeing him in. He plays Juba, one of the uh, the fellow gladiators, and he's excellent. He really is excellent. He Towards the end of the film, he kind of serves almost like a, a narrator uh, in a way, um, but he, he was superb. I think Tommy Flanagan as well, this is an early role for him uh, as Cicero. Uh, Ralph Mahler as Hagen, you know, he's got a decent cast here. Really, all of them bringing something different to the roles, all of them being very watchable. Ridley Scott really brings the best out of all of them, and they're all very believable in these roles. Connie Nielsen as well, I thought, was was very good as Lucilla. I, I didn't really understand Gav's point about the uh, the romance. I never really thought of there being much of a romance between them. I think, you know, they mentioned the fact that they were... Uh, they had something back in the day, but then they both got married and they had families since then. And it's kind of like dead and done. And maybe there's a flicker of it still going, but the romance is is barely there. That's not what her character's there for. Her main primary goal in this is the protection of her son, Lucius, who at present, until Commodus has an heir, is probably next in line to become emperor. The protection of him is her role as a mother is her primary goal, is her focus, is her character motivation. The romance... Is, is insignificant if it's even there's, there at all. There's more of a romance between Commodus and his sister than there is between Max. Yeah, in keeping with Rome. <laughs> Can we please go one episode without encouraging or endorsing incest? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think the performances are really excellent. I, I can't fault a single one. Okay, thanks for that, Dave. So Ozzy, Dave says it's pretty much pitch perfect from everybody. I... Say you. <laughs> The thing here, right, and we have this on several films, is that when you've got such a star-studded cast, you've got people who are, you know, fantastic actors. So, like Derek Jacobi, you get, you know, genuinely good actors who could really lift uh, a character off the off the screen and really into your into your world. But then you put them into a film like this, it's a bit like Kenneth Branagh in Wild Wild West. You know what I mean? It's a fucking waste of of, <laughs> of, of of a good actor put into the wrong film. Do you know what I mean? That's what we've got here throughout. You know, so it's just you. Dave's not wrong that these are great people, and and in there's glimpses of 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 a great film, but it's you know it's two and a half hours long. We're fucking just drawn out, bloated dialogue that which they're trying to. They really are trying. You know, they they are good actors, and they really are trying to make it interesting and believable. But it's just not. It's 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 like the worst bits of classics. Your boy from um, Les Misérables, what's his name? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Do you know what I mean? It, other than the speech, his primary job is just to look angry. Yeah. It's just that's literally his job in everything, just to look angry. So you can't you can't class that as being a good acting. They're not good chops, you know. And and that's all he's asked to do in this. It's it, it's. It, it, it's a big stretch to say that this is that all of the cast and characters here are very well picked or very well acted. 
I mean, I'll just point out that the uh, the Oscars clearly thought that he did looking angry better than anyone else that year. Well, Joel, you know <laughs> your opinion and my opinion about the the Oscars, and I think it's uh, I think there's a lot of backhanders go on to get these awards, and um, and it's all about who has the best island. Who blows who? <laughs> so um, so don't don't you know? Just because it's got an award, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good film. It just means that they're uh, well connected. It's true that as in, in many ways, Dave, you took your grave uh, by breaking <laughs> up the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so Gav, I can see you've got your hands up, but I'm going to quickly pass it over to Alex. Um, Ozzy said potentially the Wild Wild West is a better film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He, he did intimate that. Uh, I, I did. I'd heavily disagree uh, on on that one. I uh, just to talk a little bit about characters, you know, not, not just to add on to it. And it's just a little thing that I really like about the film is the characterization. It's the way you're introduced to characters in these little. It's it's quite a mature film, uh, Gladiator. And considering that the violence is actually kind of like you know, it, it is you know, Ozzy's right when he's saying it's you know, when a teenager, I loved it, you know, and and I still love it now. There's a teenager in me that loves that sort of violence, but there's like the bits where like at the start, the way we're introduced to Maximus, and maybe this is just me, but it starts where he just sees a little robin on a on a fence before the battle, right, and then the robin takes off, and Maximus goes from like looking really stern towards the battlefield. To the robin flying away, he sees it and he has a little smile on his face and then he looks back at the battlefield. And I'm sorry, but you just kind of know who he is just from this small little thing, this little thing that didn't need to be in there at all. It's just a lovely little touch. Again, with Commodus, when he gets out of the, you know, out of the, the, the men's reactions to him, the soldiers who've been fighting, there's just these little touches. And I just think it, it makes these, it makes the film, the film's full of these little, little bits that just make it a really special watch. And, and I think that goes all the way through to when you come to the end, like Gav was saying about this, the sort of the, the letdown of the battle sequence at the end. You know, Commodus could not have done anything worse to Maximus throughout this film. There's nothing more he could do to, to him. And at the end, when they have this fight scene, Commodus sort of, in, in the end, it's, it's pathetic the way he's fighting. And that's the brilliant thing about Commodus's character. You hate him and you feel a bit sorry for him all the way through because he's pathetic and, and desperate for attention and love from anyone. And he ends up sort of impaling himself on this on this uh, on this knife, and the look that Maximus does as he sort of he rests him down, he doesn't give a little one liner like you know you know yeah I got you now or whatever. It's kind of like a bit of pity in his expression as well, and then he just forgets about him because he's a silly a silly character. So I, I just think there's these little little bits that we're overlooking, and I I I love them. I think they just they, they make this film really really quite special. Okay, Gav, it's finally your turn. You can unleash hell now. <laughs> now, I I disagree with what Alex was saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everything that he said, think about the opposite, and, and that's my opinion. Uh, I, I'd just like to build on, on what Ozzy said a little bit. I think that, uh, yeah, Russell Crowe's performance, I don't think it was that great. I think he gave a much more layered and emotional performance in films like A Beautiful Mind and Cinderella Man. But it's more of a complaint about Hollywood at that time and how leading men weren't allowed to express any sort of emotion or they wouldn't have been real men. He has a bit of a cry after he discovers his family had been murdered. And that's about it. He's incredibly stoic throughout to the point of disinterest, as in I didn't find it a very interesting performance. And you had these potentially great moments where he reveals his true identity to Commodus, where he finds his friend has been murdered, where he finds his other friend has been murdered. You know, it, it barely registers anything apart from anger and stoicism bordering indifference. 
It reminded me a lot of Judge Dredd, but even Sylvester Stallone with a helmet on could have conveyed more emotion in that film. And uh, <laughs> so just looking at Alex's eye just twitching slightly. <laughs> the, the, just There's a bit when he finds his family and Russell Crowe's expression, he's got snot coming out and he's kissing their feet. It's absolutely like, it, it's you never see a leading man do that. The snot all down his face, he's not... He's not a proud actor. He's not trying to look stoic. He's not trying to look macho. That I, I thought he has that was a bit brilliant. of snot on his face, and that's it. The rest of the film, he's very stoic. And Joaquin Phoenix's character is just borderline parody at some points. Some of the interactions with his sister are unintentionally laughable. I'm sorry, but the film is trying to portray him as this. We have one episode where we're not laughing at incest, Gav. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I think the film tries to portray him as unpredictable and dangerous, but he just comes off across as like petulant and arrogant. And as the film goes on, they really, really try to ram home how evil he is with more emphasis on the incest more deranged threats against his nephew, more maniacal delivery of his lines. It's almost like he was auditioning for the Joker, but not his version, the Jared Leto version of Joker from the Suicide Squad. <laughs> and, uh, and finally, apologies to, to talk about Oliver Reed again, but uh, he, I don't, just don't think it was that good a performance. Also, the funniest bit in the film is when Oliver Reed delivers his final line, only to be brutally stabbed to death. Uh, but it's obviously he's obviously been replaced with a dummy, which looks like a prop from the costume department of Troma Studios. <laughs> it's it, it's just a, a laughable end to you know what could have been a, a great end to a, a, an all right character. Would you say, Gav, that <laughs> the Gladiator has probably served as the basis for a lot of Troma's work since then? I, I think poultry guest. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of heavy influence. <laughs> I think that Troma could do a really good version of Gladiator. Oh, Jesus. Maybe Ladiator or something like that. Um, You're spitballing, but... Ladyator. Ladyator, yeah. All right, well, we've come up with a new film. Jesus Christ. Um, Okay, so I I think that pretty much about does it for me. So we'll move on for, like, you know, any other businesses. If there's anything else that you want to say... You know, keep it short and concise. Ozzy, I can see you've got something really small. Yeah, no, that's not it. Yeah, I just thought I'd show that on the camera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're after a movie that does a CGI effect of ancient Rome and makes it look dull and boring, like way, way worse than the, than the, you know, the old History Channel stuff that we used to watch, this is the movie for you. Not a fair but question, Joel, because he's making watch, it sound shit. That's what he's if doing. If you want any other any other <laughs> thing, then you want to avoid this, like the plague. Okay, Gava, I think you've got something small to say as well. I just think that this film isn't as good as the defense would make you believe. If you want a good action revenge film, watch Unforgiven or John Wick. If you want an epic and entertaining historical piece, watch Ben Hare or Spartacus. But frankly, if you just want to be entertained, you'd have a better time watching three episodes of 90s TV show Gladiators. You'd definitely be more invested, at least. Watch both. What? They're not mutually exclusive. They're both no, great. No, 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 no. Sorry. That was a pretty tidy finish, to be fair, Gabriel. Dave, I can see uh, your hand shot straight up there. I've got to say something. I mean, I was going to let it go, but I just feel like the prosecution are just taking pot shots at Gladiator now. And I'm genuinely starting to think if the defense don't say something like they're yeah. lying, 
Yeah. We might actually lose it. I've got to say, absolute lies. Absolute lies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, coming not from even, not Mr. even misunderstandings. Incredible over here. <laughs> not even misunderstandings, just out and out lies. Uh, <laughs> I just had a point out where Gav was talking about, you know, you don't think Commodus is powerful and what have you. He's not. He is a sniveling, cowardly guy. That is true to his character in history as well. Commodus was not a nice guy. Gav's got it absolutely right and he's understood it perfectly. The film looks fantastic. Rome is gritty, Rome is dirty, but that is mm-hmm. how Rome works was you know it's not like it was in the 1950s Quo Vadis sort of films this film is excellent this is one of the best films of all time this revitalized the sword and sandals epic this brought back historical epics as we know them and we got some good films out of that genre coming back until, this until, 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 until Troy yeah we until did until Troy, Troy put, until <laughs> put one in its ear and it was the end of it top-notch <laughs> performances amazing soundtrack a film that is brilliantly and ably directed with a fantastic story simple but effectively done Okay, thanks, Dave. Um, Very much like yourself, Dave. <laughs> that's kind of like an insult rather than a compliment. <laughs> you call him simple. But he's simple but effective. But effective. <laughs> like, like a mace. <laughs> okay, Gav, have you got a quiz for us? No, I've got a quiz. I, like yeah, it. I, I, I just like the look on Gab's face, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> look of sheer terror. <laughs> okay, uh, because Gladiator has such a good script, I've done it. <laughs> I've done a. I've it's done over, a. Alex. The trial's yeah. over. <laughs> I've done a a, a, um, a quiz on quotes in movies, but slightly different. I'm going to read out half the quote, and if you can finish it, that's one point. And then if you can finish it and tell me the name of the film two points so uh, everything to play for so first one is i'll give you the first half i guess you guys aren't ready for that yet but your kids are gonna love it Back very to the nice future. well done two for gav well done uh gav this might be another one for you here possibly nobody puts baby Bam. in oh, the corner on, Aussie. yeah aussie nice um, um patrick swayze and his mate dirty dancing yeah, there you go. Thank fuck for that. I thought you were going to say ghost. <laughs> Roadhouse. 300. <laughs> um, right, next uh, next one. Uh, I think maybe Dave for this one. Yes, sir, boss. Like the drink, only... Spelt different. There you Green, go. Green mile. One for Dave. Uh, well done. Uh, another one. Hope is a dangerous thing. This a fiery ring. <laughs> uh, think think about the last film similar thing. The film. what a similar film to gladiator yeah, no the one that dave just answered aliens hang on i'll do an impression no i can't no i, can't, no, I won't do it <laughs> <laughs> i know is the it, film is it shawshank redemption it is shawshank redemption yeah it's and the, the hope kills you uh, no uh, hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane oh. okay Next one, um, hamburgers, the cornerstone. Bam. Have a good happy meal. No, anyone else? Have a healthy hamburgers, day. the cornerstone. All right, I'll do it. I'll do an impression. Mmm. I know the film again. I just don't know the quote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. D- film, Dave. Pulp Fiction. It is. Hamburgers, oh, I... the cornerstone oh, of uh, any nutritious uh, breakfast. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, here's one for Joel. Before we get started. This could be any fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> it could actually. It's a hard one. Before we get started. 
I'll do it. I'm gonna can I do an impression? Oh. Is he in an elevator? Yes. Oh, oh shit, it's it. Captain America. Does anyone want to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well done, I'll Aussie. give it Aussie and yeah, Aussie. Uh before we get started, well done, does anyone want to get out? Okay. Uh, another, I think this one might be the trickiest one, so I will do an impression. I can do an impression for this one as well, so I will. Um, every man dies. <laughs> oh, no, shit, shit. I should have done that. Uh, every man dies. I thought you were doing an impression. All right, I'll do the impression as well. Uh, every man dies. Braveheart. Uh... It is Braveheart. Well done, Ozzy. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. Uh, Braveheart. Next one. I'll it was have... the whole button and I didn't remember that in trains by. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. There's only two Scottish ones. Uh, um, <laughs> and neither of them are Scottish, actually. <laughs> uh, I'll have what I'm having. <laughs> uh, Joel just gets five points. <laughs> Does anyone want to give me the real? Anyone want to give me the real point? A hamburger because it's no. the cornerstone of it. <laughs> Anyone so, got? I'll have. De- Joel was dangerously close with his one, by the way. It's one I, of the I famous. Think we all know. What oh she's right, having. okay, sorry. <laughs> I'll have what she's having when Harry met Sally. Uh, and here's the last one. Um, as far back as I can remember. Bam. I've always wanted to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> uh, yeah, close enough. Gangster, I'll give it yeah. Oh. Uh, but that means uh, our winner is Ozzy. Well done, Ozzy. Hey. Well done, Ozzy. Look at on that last the first uh, time he's on... won a quiz. No, that's fantastic. I made up on that. On that last quote, we were in a festival a couple of weeks back, and there was a little kid, and um, saying to his dad, and he said, "Dad, dad, as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted a dinosaur tail." That's literally the words he said <laughs> after his dad had bought him one of those like fake strap-on dinosaur tails, lizard tails, and he was so made up. But they were the words so, as far back as I can remember. I've wanted always wanted a dinosaur tail. <laughs> All of ten minutes. That's how. <laughs> Is that the official name for them as well? One of those strap-on dinosaur tails. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's selling it did, did add it on the wrong way back. So yeah, it was yeah. a specialist, <laughs> specialist festival. <laughs> was it a fairies festival? Commodus would have loved it. <laughs> Maximus. Uh, okay. All, all done. Okay. Thanks for that quiz, Alex. Um, okay. Well, let's get to it, Sally. Like I was, I was quite impressed with with both arguments. To be honest, it's not kind of as clear cut as I thought it would be in my head. Um, you know, Dave and Alex both made some pretty good points about you know the, the acting in this the script Alex could kind of um you know read out a lot of the lines and that kind of did bring back a lot of the film to me um Ozzy kind of mentioned some really good points about the bit where uh Gerard Butler kicks the guy down down the hole and <laughs> <laughs> Russell, Russell Crowe being oiled up and that, that kind of really, really got my mind working as well so some some good points from both sides um and it's it's been a lot kind of closer than I thought it would be. Like it'll be interesting to watch it again just to see how the CGI is. I can kind of remember in my head like a particular scene even a while ago, thinking, you know, the CGI is maybe a little bit dated here. And you know, some of what Gab said about Joaquin Phoenix being like a little bit hammy again kind of brought back some recollection recollections with that. Um, the action sequences, you know, Dave mentions that it's it's mostly practical effects and not CGI. So, again, there's a lot of kind of interesting things there that to go over when I watch that again. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's a lot kind of closer than I thought it would be at this stage. I thought, you know, especially after like the first half that the defence were just kind of going to walk away with it. But actually Gavin Austin did do a good job of kind of, you know, making me think otherwise. And now I'm thinking in my head, you know, potentially is it as good as I remember? Uh, but of course, you know, I'm taking my own kind of opinions out of this anyway. And, um, you know, the one bias I do have is just just twisting that knife in a little bit more into Dave and Alex. <laughs> I'm um, doing it already with this tension, man. I can't take it. Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think overall, like the points that Gallic that that sorry, um Gavin Austin made. Gostin, yeah. <laughs> Gostin. Um like they were good, but it was only, I would say, maybe, you know, like 50% of the film that were covered there. Whereas Alex and Dave covered everything from score to, to cast and characters to you know the 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 scripts to the scenery in the background, all that type of stuff, and overall it just kind of added up to maybe more of a complete package, I would say. Um, so for that reason, yeah, it's going it's going on the hit list where you know I'm sure most people are not surprised it's going to end up. Thank you very much, Joel. Well summarised there. Okay, genuine opinions. I mean, do we even have to ask what you two? like history and classic nuts thing about this alex i uh i do no it's definitely on the right list it's 100 percent on the right list no doubt about it but i i did agree massively with what you said gav you know when you said it loses steam in the last i wouldn't say last third but i'd say blind be the last eighth or something but just a little bit after that fight scene with gaul and when they start doing the bits where he's trying to escape the city and stuff like that it does it does go a little bit boring for a bit and i'd forgotten that but then it gets back to it by the end. So the final fight sequence brings it back. So you sort of forget about it, but it does lull. So it's not perfect, but fuck, it's damn close. Like it's a very good film. Yeah, I, I, I found that personally that I feel like if they would have cut that bit out, like a lot of the sort of like politic and bits in the background and trying to escape the city and just had it like all in the Coliseum, I think it would have been much tighter. Um, but yeah, sorry, Dave, what are your thoughts? I think Joel's made the right call. Definitely on the right list. I, I, I do love Gladiator. It's been years since I last watched it, uh, but it is a great film. Like I said, the soundtrack is sensational. Performances are great. I stand by most of what I said. The historical inaccuracies are, you know, limitless in this. This is, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's about as accurate as the Grinch, if you're looking for realism. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but I think it, it was, most of it was done for good reason. You know, if the film ended with, you know, Jaimon Hunsu burying those statues in the arena and it's like, it's, it's a power struggle out there now. People are being murdered in the streets. Now Commodus is gone. It's like, hmm, this isn't the feel-good ending I was hoping for. I, I wish we'd lied and said that everything was all right when Commodus got it. was just, no, no, we got we got a decade of murder and power struggling going. Like, oh, okay, yeah, Maximus was a villain. But uh, I see for good reason why they changed history for the film and why they omitted some things. It worked. It's a good film. I wouldn't... Don't show this in like as part of a history class, but it's uh, it's an entertaining film. I think, though, sorry to cut back in, uh, but it does maybe it's not historically accurate, but it does get you interested in the period. It's one of those films that maybe it's got nothing to do, and you know, and hopefully no one's coming away with a notebook being like, oh, you know, Marcus Aurelius. But I think it does generally. Those sorts of films are helpful just to get people interested in that period of history because it is just a good watch. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
I, I did find a YouTube video which went over all of the historical inaccuracies in Gladiator. Was it two and a half hours long? <laughs> yeah, it was fucking longer than the film itself. <laughs> there's one that I, I completely missed, but apparently there's like you can see a car in the background at one shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is it playing like, in the sky at one point though? Is it playing as well? I can't yeah. One that gets me every time is after the battle in Germany when he goes to check on his horse and you see someone in jeans stood <laughs> underneath the horse. Oh yeah, you see, you'll see the jeans stood there and then they just like realize and they back out a shot. These jeans. <laughs> it, it's great fun. And then you got other people saying, "Oh, they wouldn't have had paper to distribute as flyers in the arena." It's like you're missing the the Levi's. Oh, come on, I know. You're missing the on. Levi's at the start. Come yeah, on, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, the Levi's. Oh, the one bit where it's like, "Oh yeah," um, everyone keeps on referring to him as a Spaniard, and uh, you know that uh, phrase was about like kind of what like 800 years. Yeah, too soon. Yeah. Where's the Spain you speak of? Um, but that, so I actually missed the boat on Gladiator. I didn't see it when it first came out. I watched it about, I don't know, about 2017, I think. What? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just completely missed it. It was one of those ones that, you know, when you're talking about great films you haven't seen, it, it was always Gladiator for me. And I finally watched it a few years ago. And it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. I think it's because it built it up so much and everyone was like, oh my God, you must watch Gladiator. It's amazing. And it just wasn't as as great as, as I thought it was, it was going to be. So... Uh, although I, I believe some of what I'm saying, I was stretching a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I won't go into too much detail on which areas I was stretching out. I do think it's on the right list, but I don't think it's like amazing. And it's probably because I missed the boat on it. And, you know, I've seen stuff that, you know, used a better CGI later on down the line uh, or had better performances like Troy, you know, so it's... <laughs> But copied it, you know. Don't 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 care. But like, yeah. you know, it's massively copied. Oh, it? as yeah, well. yeah, of course. Yeah, it was a very influential film. Ozzy, a lot of porn parodies as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all we uh, all all nodding our heads. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think I'm a bit like Gavin. I didn't watch it in 2000. I saw it quite a bit later, which means that I'd seen a lot of better CGI, a lot of uh, more honed sort of fight scenes. So um, it's on the right list. In short. Oh, thanks, Ozzy. Thanks. Okay, so I won't even bother doing higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Alien Covenant. But whereabouts do we think this ranked uh, on Rotten Tomatoes with regards to critical and audience scores? I'm going to go for double 90s. Double 90s? I would say, I would say high 80s, maybe. No, low 90s. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say high 80s for audience. I reckon late 60s for critical. Really, I think, I think a lot of critics will have stuck the proverbial knife into the lung of this film. Along Do you the think? Way. Even though it won, didn't it win loads of Oscars? It did. Empire. I know. I know Roger Ebert didn't like it, so I'm basically. Oh, Roger that. Ebert can get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> rest in peace. I don't. I just don't. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But I don't agree with anything that guy says. Apart from <laughs> I disagree with him on this one. I disagree. Did he give four one. stars to Tree of Life though? Yeah, I disagree well, with him on that one as well. A, bro- yeah. a, a broken clock, do you know what I mean? Ozzy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ozzy, you're going to go with any of them? Low 90s critics and high 70s audience. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the closest one was Dave, surprisingly. So high 80s audience, 87, and sort of high 70s, so not as low as Dave oh, thought. But yeah, seventy-eight for critical ah, score. Yes. So yeah, yeah, there were some issues when it when it came out. Um. So yeah, I think think that's that's it. Thank you very much, guys. 
Um, thank you very much for your arguments as well. Our next film on trial and the culmination of our Ridley Scott season is going to be Thelma and Louise, which I completely forgot that he directed, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to that one. I just want to say thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. If you want more Films on Trial content, check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on all podcast platforms. Check us out on pretty much all social media, at Film Trials on Twitter or Films on Trial on everything else. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. So what have we learned today? Well, we know for a fact that the best part of Gladiator is that bit where that guy gets kicked into that hole. And... <laughs> Also, that Gladiator is on the hit list. So we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks' time with Thelma and Louise. Goodbye. Then pick the season, and I could be yeah. like, okay, next season we're doing trauma season. And I knew you were going to say trauma season. Exactly, which, which basically <laughs> means Gav's never going to win another fucking... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every every film Gav's on now, it doesn't matter what it is, he could defend the Godfather <laughs> and it go on the shit list. <laughs> 